Area 941 podcast are produced and distributed by Community Powered 94.1 KPFA Radio. Please help support Area 941 at kpfa.org. You're listening to Arabiyat with Linda and Soraya. I'm Linda. And I'm Soraya. If there's one festival that shouldn't be missed, it's the Arab Film Festival, one of the largest independent showcases of Arab movies outside the Arab world. This year's festival is taking place starting this Friday, October 16th to October 25th in various locations throughout the San Francisco Bay Area. It's the perfect chance for those who are hungry to get a deeper view of a very diverse Arab world. The themes reflected in the films range from ordinary people grappling with the political conflicts plaguing their countries to stories about friendship, humor, family, and adventure. Set in countries from Morocco to Palestine to Saudi Arabia, there's something for everyone. With us in studio today is the festival's executive director, Serge Bakalian, who's going to give us a taste of what to expect. Serge, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me on. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the Arab Film Festival? Like, can you tell us a little history, the mission, and you know what the purpose behind it is? Absolutely. I mean, the you know the Arab Film Festival started 19 years ago in the Bay Area by three incredible women, which is something we're going to definitely celebrate next year as we go into our 20th year anniversary. And the you know the the main goal, the main mission, purpose of the organization is to show a more authentic narrative of Arab identity. You know quite a challenge to what we are used to in this country with not just mainstream news, but mainstream media in general. Um, and in the last couple of years, we've really shifted more towards creating more spaces for filmmakers, for, for more stories to be told. And we do, you know, our current vision statement, for example, is that we, we want to transform the way people see the world through Arab film. And in what way do you want to transform that view? What What are the problems that you see with the views of Arabs um, in our media today? You know, I mean, it's nothing new, but there is this sort of refocusing on our region of the world and the the imagery that comes across, and again, across the spectrum, we're not just talking about journalism, but we're also talking about television and movies, is a deeply negative portrayal of Arab identity. And that's problematic because of the way it manifests itself, not just, again, in in media, but also in the political spectrum. There isn't a day you turn to news and see, you know, where are the positive representation of Arabs? Where are the TV shows about an Arab family gathering for dinner and all the chaos that comes around that? You know, that's something we need to see and you know, we're really fortunate here in the Bay Area to have the Arab Film Festival here, and and we're hoping to grow and expand our programming. We've been doing that for the last couple of years, and I'm really excited for this coming festival in particular. I want to know actually how the film festival has evolved over time, but you know, in terms of how you choose the films, like which countries they come from, I noticed there's a lot more movies from the Levant uh, region than the Gulf. I noticed that the Levant region movies generally have topics that are like more about turmoil and like dealing with these issues, and that's probably apparent why. But can you, can you give us a little bit about the criteria that you guys work with? Sure. I mean, so we do primarily deal with contemporary films. So these are new releases. These are films that have been produced or made in the last couple of years. So you're really seeing a very fresh look into the current works coming out of of that region. In terms of the criteria, we've definitely, you know, in the last couple of years, we've really heightened the, the artistic 
uh, bar. bar for films. And we've really, in that capacity, we've actually started getting noticed by international, you know, new international partnerships that we've developed with other film festivals. And so in terms of the programming itself, I do stress that we are, we are a pan-Arab film festival. So it is important to have as much representation as possible from Morocco to Iraq. And, you know, certain years you'll get strong representations from a certain region. And, and this year we do. We have quite a bit of films from the Levantine. Um, and that's, that's typical because of, you know, what's happening in the region the last couple of years. But, you know, last year we had a very strong showing from Morocco, for example. And, of course, we always have strong representation from Palestine. Why is there so so much of a strong representation from Palestine? I explain it two ways. I think one is that, you know, oftentimes artists are the are the folks on the ground in conflict zones, and they have the uh, the space to create stories either in documentary format or narrative format, and they can actually speak truth to their experience at that moment. And you know, Palestine, of course, we all know. Uh, what the situation has been for you know half a century now, and so you are seeing it's one of the strongest actually cinematic locations is Palestine. Um, similarly, you know when we talk about films about what's happening in Syria now, after you know several years of conflict, we are seeing films being made and representing that conflict there. I was wondering about film culture in the Middle East because back in the day, Egypt was known as one of the biggest producers of cinema. For the longest time, it was it was I think in the top three along with India, Bollywood, and the United States. Uh, now, not so much. Is that correct? Not so much for Egypt. I wouldn't say that. There's still a very strong television culture right. in Egypt. You know, I grew up, you know, growing up in Beirut. You know, my family would sit around and watch Egyptian television, and you know, you know all all the sort of soap operas and and television shows. Egypt is still making wonderful movies. I mean, we have we have a couple of very strong Egyptian films this year, so I wouldn't say it's not. You know, I would say there is a shift towards more film being produced. I think the the theatrical film culture is something relatively new. I think what's interesting about the region and the film culture there is because we don't have the like the United States, we don't have this need for profit from filmmaking, you know, commercial films, big budget, whatever, anything that makes money for studios. I think that's given opportunity for young artists to really create films that are artistic, films that speak to politics, that speak to identity, and not just for stimulation. But how do you think that the Arab Film Festival can contribute to that growth beyond just making films, and I'm not saying that making films for an artistic reason is is not enough, but how can we make it like more of an industry so that more young people can do that as for a living? Because I'm assuming that a lot of these filmmakers aren't really making that much money off of the work that they do. Well, I want to challenge that notion just a little bit. Okay. Uh, one is that I agree that you know many filmmakers in the Arab world are making artistic films representing sort of their own expressions and sort of the realities they're they're witnessing. You know, that I actually uh, attest to the medium of film. Film is such a, especially these days with uh, the cost of, you know, how affordable it's become to make a film. That's very easy for uh, someone in anywhere, you know, even though they're struggling economically, they can make a film. But we are actually seeing big commercial uh, films out of the Arab world, and we need that as well. 
we want to see the the spectrum of of stories being told and uh, we want to see Hollywood style movies, you know, even though it's not necessarily something I personally watch, but we want those types of films with positive representations of Arabs because those will cross to mainstream. You know, in the last couple of years, you know, a film like Wajda, for example, had a tremendous, that was a big budget film. And can you talk about Wajda a little bit? Absolutely. I mean, Wajda was this very simple story of a young girl in Saudi Arabia who wanted to ride a bicycle. And out of that very simple sort of motivation comes the story about class, about um, sexism, about a lot of the things that, you know, Saudi women are struggling with. And that was a commercial success. And it actually crossed over to the United States playing at at major cinemas. And so we need that as well. In terms of for the Arab Film Festival, you know, one of my goals really has been to to create spaces where we can actually foster sort of a new generation of storytellers. And for me, it is sort of also shifting a focus on Arab Americans and Arabs here in the United States because our experiences, our stories as either first generation, second generation, or whatever, uh, is somewhat different. You know, there are a lot of corollaries, of course, but I want to hear our stories. So, you know, in the next few years, you know, I'm going to be really it's going to be exciting to, for me to announce some of these new programs that we have in the in the pipelines where we want to actually support filmmakers here, develop them as uh, not just directors and producers, but also uh, writers and storytellers. That's very interesting. So as of now, you wouldn't say there's any like films that represent like Arab Americans in the current lineup? Not in this year's lineup, but you know, in the last couple of years, yeah. we've definitely had films come out of places like Detroit and Los Angeles. And May in the Summer, sort of, kind of. That sort was the of, opening yeah. film yeah, last year. Yeah, that was year. our opening film last yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah, but, but, but that's also a wonderful example. You know, Shireen's film, you know, had Hollywood actors, uh, had Hollywood funding. You know, we want to see that. We want to see. And, and you are seeing it where producers outside of the Arab world are taking notice of the talent that's coming out of the Arab world. Uh, and that's extremely promising. And that's actually, in fact, it's made, you know, one thing when we decided to raise our bar artistically for submissions, you know, we were concerned. It was like, well, this is going to be a challenge. We're not, we're not going to be able to get as many films as before. But in fact, you know, this, this year I can tell you was the hardest year to program because we had to say no to so many good films. And that's actually tremendously exciting for, for what's to come next year in the future. Are the filmmakers generally from the actual mainland like the middle east or are they in the diaspora going back and doing films about their home countries in terms of for this year's program and say they're primarily from the region um, but that hasn't been true the last few years i mean we've definitely broadened our our search of films to more of an international pool so you know in the last couple years we've had a, a brazilian lebanese make a film about going back home to Lebanon, we've had, you know, French Algerians making films about uh, their experiences. So it's it's generally very broad. I think this year it's a bit unique that's mostly, if not all, from, from the region. So the first clip I want to play, it's it's not in English, it's very short, but it's for a film called Je suis le peuple. Excuse my French, because I really don't know how to speak French. The clip kind of, you'll, you're, you're going to hear right now an Egyptian peasant farmer dialoguing with the camera woman about the meaning of democracy and that the meaning of democracy to her is different 
than it means for him. He equates her definition as being more elaborate and his definition as being a first grade level uh, understanding of democracy. He makes some very poignant points about, you know, if a democracy doesn't put bread on the table, why do I care about democracy? Why is it important? Let's play that clip. Can you talk a little bit about that film? Yeah, I mean, for us, that was such a powerful film for a couple of reasons. One, it's by a, a female director. And we really do look for, you know, first-time, second-time female directors and we, you know, in terms of supporting their work. But this was very fascinating for us as, because of the perspective it shows. The Egyptian revolution for us in the last few years has played out, you know, on television from, you know, direct source, news reels, from, our, from Twitter, of people on hand. But here's a perspective from a peasant farmer in Upper Egypt. And for him, it's a very different, his his sort of journey of what he's seeing on television is quite different to, you know, the folks in Tahrir Square, for us in the diaspora. And so this was a very fascinating take on the revolution, but from a, again, from a very different perspective, which, which I have to say, I think it really humanizes the events that occurred during everything that happened in the square and afterwards. And also the significance of hearing his perspective is important because the majority of Egypt is going to be basically mostly from his perspective, actually. I mean, the Tahrir Square, the elites, the diaspora, they're not the ones really experiencing like the brunt of what's actually taking place in Egypt. So I find that very profound. And I think a lot of our listeners are very interested in seeing that perspective. I know I am. So I'll be checking that film out. Absolutely. And, you know, for me personally, too, I think you can say that about pretty much any conflict in, I mean, you you can broaden it beyond the Arab world, but in particularly in the Arab world. I mean, from what's happening in Beirut or Halab or or you know Gaza, for example. I mean, it could be applied to anything. And I think just reminding ourselves, reminding our audience that there is there is a a different perspective that's shared by a majority of people, but because they don't have access, you know, if it's ba- because of economics or because of they just don't have a voice, uh, that doesn't mean their their perspective shouldn't be seen. And I think we've been really lucky this year to have this this film that that asks those questions and gives us that that perspective. So the next clip we're going to hear is from a documentary called On the Banks of the Tigris. And this is described as a musical odyssey that uncovers the hidden and almost unknown and erased history of and story of Iraqi music. So let's hear that. I grew up with this beautiful music when I was a young boy in Baghdad, but I never really asked myself who wrote this music. Do you know the musicians? Yes. Who are these musicians? Serge, tell us a little bit about the film and what it really uncovers and its importance. 
Yeah, on the banks of the uh, Tigris is another sort of strong movie for us because it represents a look within our own selves and our own history. You know, one thing is, you know, for me, a film like this is important because we don't want to, you know, when we say we want to provide a more positive look of the Arab world, it isn't also to sort of whitewash what we've done. I think it's important for us to represent of an authentic view of, of where, where we come from. And this is really fascinating because, you know, it's a story of an Iraqi who you know, discovers that so much of the music that he grew up loving were actually written by Iraqi Jews. And it, it's and it sort of really puts him in this state of, like, shock. And, you know, because the Ba'ath Party erased a lot of that history. You know, they, they changed. It's Saddam, Saddam's party. Yes. And so he goes on this journey, you know, interviewing exiled musicians and going to the archives and... And really bringing this sort of lost history to the forefront, and it's a, uh, it's beautiful, and it's got great uh, soundtrack, and uh, so for all lovers of not just music but for documentaries and sort of unearthing lost history, this is a this is a wonderful film. Why don't you talk about some of your favorite films that you're that you're looking forward oh, to? Boy, you're going to get me in trouble here. <laughs> my favorite films, or some of the ones that stand out the most in your mind and that you want to discuss. Yeah, I mean, for for us this year, so I do want to start off by saying that we are paying tribute this year to two icons of Arab cinema who we lost this year, and that's Fatem Hamama and Omar Sharif. And so we're bringing a film, Our Beautiful Days, we're presenting at the Grand Lake in Oakland, I believe on the 22nd. So and it's a sort of a film, an Egyptian film from the 50s, and, and I think it's going to be something uh, your audience and everyone will enjoy. And I just want to make a point that the 50s in Egypt is the golden era of music, of belly dancing, of um, cinema. cinema, and the cabaret-style performances. And I want our listeners who are not Arabs to understand the gravity of, of these figures. Yeah, I mean, for me, the sort of the manifestation of this program for us. So now I, I plan on having an Arab classic film at every festival. And it's interesting how this started. You know, when I first came on board... It was an ultimate goal that I told myself in five years we're going to start bringing classic films because it, it is challenging. You know, you have to bring films oftentimes in, are they in 35 millimeter or older format. Most of the film, the classic films aren't transcribed. They're not subtitled in English. So it's, it's quite a challenging process. But I remember, I think late 2013, I was doing a radio show down in L.A. and uh, we were talking about sort of contemporary Arab films. And the interview were will rename nameless uh told me that you know it's fascinating that arabs are now making films and it's sort of those who know me personally i think could have just imagined my reaction and so i sort of made it my goal that you know that coming festival which was last year that we were going to have a classic film and it was we had a tremendous showing last year and so it is a program that we you know we we will plan continuing there's one film, um, it's, it's not an Arab film, it's an Armenian film called The Cut. Girls. Look girls, a crane. If you see a crane, you'll be going on a big journey. The Armenian men of Zaytun have disappeared. I mean, don't scare the children, but that's the truth.
So that sounded really intense, um, and I, the topic is intense. Yeah, why don't you talk about that film for us and why an Armenian film is in their film festival? So The Cut is actually um, a German film directed by world-renowned German-Turkish director Fatih Akin. And the reason it's at the, in the Arab Film Festival is because, you know, one, this is the year that we commemorated the 100th remembrance of the Armenian Genocide. And a history that's often not told and needs to be told, told and told over again, is the role that Arabs played in saving countless numbers of Armenians, uh, primarily in the Levant region, but also in Egypt. And you know, you know, when I look at sort of my own personal family story, uh, you know, where my great grandmother and my great grandfather were were saved by by Halabi merchants. Uh, and an Iraqi businessman, and uh, you know, smuggled on their trains and in spice caravans, and you know, it's it counters sort of this narrative that the Arab world isn't welcoming to those who aren't like them or don't practice the same religion, because the majority of Armenians were Christian. Uh, the the people that sort of saved my great grandmother were Syrian Muslims. Um, so again, it definitely challenges that narrative of that we oftentimes encounter. And the film is is just it's an incredibly beautiful, heavy film. Um, you know, it takes us it takes us a journey from the Syrian desert to Cuba to Beirut to North Dakota, out of all places. Wow. Uh, so it's definitely a journey, and it also stars uh, an Algerian. The lead actor is Algerian, so there is. Wow. Yeah. So very global. Yeah. Yes. I wanted to ask you, uh, just related to that, just to touch on that briefly, we don't have to get into it too much, but there's, as you said, there's a huge communities of Armenians, especially in Lebanon and Syria, and you yourself are Armenian. I never want to assume that Armenians also identify themselves as Arab, but... You know how how do we navigate that being inclusive, inclusive, and yet not erasing an identity? How do you how do you manage with that? You know, for me, it's been a challenge. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna discard that. It's in particular because I grew up in Lebanon. You know, and I came to the U.S. when I was ten. Ethnically, I am Armenian, but I've always felt a very strong part of my identity is not only myself having grown up in Lebanon. Uh, but also my mother having grown up in in Syria and my father in Iraq and a meshing of those histories of those cultures. The older I get, I actually find it more of a blessing rather than something I have to quantify or to describe in a way that makes it palpable for people. Now I feel like it's something very rich in my life, and in particular in sort of the work I do now. You know, in terms of for Armenians, I would say. You know, one of the success that Armenians had in the Arab world is largely because, first and foremost, they learned Arabic. And not to get into this conversation about uh, the importance of learning language in your sort of immigrant nation, but, you know, Armenians assimilated well in the culture. And it's, you know, and it didn't matter, again, the, the religious differences. It didn't matter the uh, even the political differences at, at different times in the past 50 years. It's It's been about uh, assimilating into the culture and... And I would say there's also a lot of shared beyond food, you know, which is so 
that helps. Let's move back to the Arab Film Festival. I know it took a little bit of a detour, but I know that in July you were uh, evicted from the space that you were working in, and uh, it was by a real estate company that was buying the building that housed your offices. And this was in July, so you guys were prepping for this month's festival. What happened? What's happened since then? So just to clarify, there was a private group purchased a building, I believe, eight or nine months before we got the eviction notice. And we weren't the only one. You know, the everyone in the building got a notice and would sort of end dates to their to their leases or their sort of their, their tenancy. It, it was a challenge, especially the fact that we had to leave in August, which, you know, July and August is usually are two craziest months in the office so not having a space was was a bit of a challenge but you know i was really fortunate we had we have such an amazing staff we, we made it through and in terms of our current situation we are we are no you can say nomadic at the moment uh it's definitely we have a couple of spaces that we're looking at but it's not a decision um, i want to make till after the festival where can people find out about uh when the movies are showing sure so all the films are listed along with their descriptions and trailers on our website. So it's www.arabfilmfestival.org. Ticketing is live, so you can purchase tickets. And I would say this is the year, you know, I've been around the festival for seven years now, from a attendee to a volunteer and now running the organizations. I would say this is, this is the strongest year where I encourage uh, folks to purchase a pass and our passes are actually the, the most affordable in town compared to other festivals and come and watch all the movies this is yeah this 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 is the year where i would love for everyone to see every single film all right great so yeah be sure to check out the arab film festival starting friday october 16th and running through to october 25th thank you so much serge thank you so much for having me on Thank you for listening to Arabiyat. Again, you can email us at arabiyat.podcast at gmail.com. That's A-R-A-B-I-Y-A-A-T dot podcast at gmail.com. And find us on Twitter at Arabiyat and on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. And as always, our theme song is by Muqata. The track is called Ahyat. You can follow him on soundcloud.com slash B-O-I-K-U-T-T.